Ephesians 1, we heard that Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, is writing a letter to the saints that are in Ephesus, the faithful in Jesus Christ. And he extends to them his grace and peace through Christ Jesus. And I want you to remember, grace and peace. In Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, we heard Paul's great blessing of how the Lord has planned and accomplished and applied redemption to all who have faith in Jesus. Out of love, he predestined, chose us for adoption, and accomplished it through Jesus Christ and his blood upon the cross. Through him, we have obtained an inheritance of hope. We are also sealed by the Holy Spirit, as an envelope is sealed for delivery. We have been sealed by the Spirit to be delivered into glory. All of this to the praise of His glorious grace. In Ephesians 1, 15-22, Paul gave thanks for this church, asking that God would reveal to them, by the Holy Spirit, wisdom and revelation. Spiritual insight, illumination, seeing what God has done for them in Christ, the Messiah, and what God is calling them to. God defeated all our enemies in Christ Jesus. When he raised him from the dead and sat him on his throne in the place of honor, literally all things are now subject to Christ. In Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, last week, Paul took us down memory lane and reminded us, all of us, where we came from. That we came out of sin and transgression and trespass. And that without the grace of God, we would still be living as the world lives today in utter despair. And he told us that by this grace, not a single one of us has a place to boast in the throne room of God because it is by his mercy that he rescued us and redeemed us. But this grace did not just save us to a state where we are merely stagnant. No, salvation in Christ leads to good works for Christ. If our understanding of salvation is only that we have been set free from sin, our understanding of salvation is far too small. For God planned Christ accomplished, and the Spirit of God empowers us now to do the work of redemption on earth. Paul contrasted the way that we once walked in our trespasses. We have now been recreated to walk according to the good works which he predestined us for. This is where we've been. And what I'm excited to talk about today is the wonderful work that God is doing now by the power of His Spirit. 
So as we come, as, as has become our custom, if you're able and willing, will you please now stand in honor of the reading of God's word as we read Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. This is God's holy and inerrant word. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God and in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing the law and the commandments expressed in the ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father, so you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ himself being the cornerstone, in, him, you, in, him, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into the holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Walls are created to divide. In our homes, we have different rooms. Those rooms are created by the walls that divide them. This is very distinct. If you walk into a house that was built in the 80s or 90s, there are a lot more walls than are in our built or in houses today. We've removed a lot of the walls that separate our kitchen from our great living space or our dining area, dining area from our living space. We, we've removed it to make these great spaces. We also have walls that separate the inside of our house to the outside of our house. When we lay a foundation, the outside border of that foundation, we build a wall to keep that which is outside from coming inside and keeping that which is inside from going outside. Oftentimes, my boys leave the door open long enough where those walls don't really matter anymore. But these walls separate. They divide. We also see that walls divide cities. More in ancient times, but in Roman cities, they built walls around their cities to protect them from invasion. Even earlier than Rome, Jerusalem had a wall. Jericho had a wall. These walls were to keep people out and to keep their people safe. We have also seen walls that divide countries. The Berlin Wall, the Great Wall of China, even if we want to call the Mexican and United States Wall that's being built, that wall is there to separate countries. They are created to divide to keep people from one country fleeing to another country. 
In the Old Testament, we see something similar to walls when we look at the temple itself. There were different walls, different curtains that separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place. There were walls outside that divided the different courts into who could go into the Holy of Holies, who could go into the holy place, who could even come into the courts, and who had to stay outside, in, outside the courtyard itself. What we see in today's passage is that God is acting like a holy and divine architect. And he has come in and he's breaking down the walls that divide us. It's as if he's Joanna Gaines, who walks into a home and says, this wall, this wall, and this wall, they've all got to go. What we see in this passage is that in Christ Jesus, God came to break down the walls that divide us because he's uniting us in Christ Jesus. He's breaking down walls that separate people groups. He's breaking down walls that separate people who might not like other people. He's also breaking down walls that separate us from God himself. But he's also building walls. He's building walls that are movable. And he's building a structure that will never be torn down. And so those are the three main points I want us to see. He's breaking down the walls horizontally. He's breaking down the walls vertically. And he's building walls that will bring global peace. This is what Paul says in verse 11. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcised by what is called the circumcised, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were once at one point separated from Christ. Therefore, look back to everything he has said. He's taking us back again through memory lane. And Paul is saying, in history, there have been two main groups of people. There's the people whom God bound himself to, Israel, whom he revealed himself to through the law, who he redeemed to himself out of Egypt. That by his electing love, he chose to be with them and through them would be a blessing to the nations. They were set apart, not by anything that they had done, but because of their proximity to God himself. And this is what he promised to do for them. He promised to dwell among them. To be a God who saw his people and did not leave them by, him, by themselves, but that he would come down and dwell in their midst. This is exactly what we see in Exodus 25. God brought them out of Egypt, redeemed them, and then he built his sanctuary. And all of Israel built all of their tribes around the sanctuary because God was in their midst. The other group was the nations. They did not have a relationship with the God of Israel. They did not have the covenants of promise. 
God did not act on their behalf to redeem them out of slavery. But that doesn't mean that they didn't know God. As we see in 1 Samuel chapters 5 and chapter 6, the Philistines knew about this God. They had the Ark of the Covenant and they couldn't get it back to God fast enough because his hand was heavy upon them. But throughout all of history, we have two groups of people, those who knew God of the covenants and those who didn't know God of the covenants. And Paul is specifically speaking to the Gentiles, those who did not know God of the covenants, the God of promise, the God of the Messiah who was to redeem them. And Paul is saying that there was a distinction between the two. A lot of Israel's laws, their sacrifices, their ceremonial laws, their cleanliness laws were there to separate them from Gentiles. They were to be separated, distinct, wholly other, because if they weren't, Israel would follow after their gods. Israel would start to look and to smell more like them than they would of the God who had saved them. And what Paul is saying is that now these Gentile believers who have been for centuries excluded from the covenant promise of God in Jesus Christ, they have everything. You who were at that time separated from Christ have been drawn near. You who had no hope, you now have hope. Because of what Christ had done for them. Not because anything that they had done for themselves, but what for, because of what Christ had done for them. He had conquered everything that ruled their lives so that they might serve Christ. He had torn down the walls. Because what happens in the human heart? We see people who are not like ourselves and we want to stay away. We see people who don't look like us, who don't talk like us, who don't smell like us, who don't eat the same food as us, who don't vote like us. We want them to stay away. And what the message that Paul is saying is that at one time you were separated. But if you are a saint in the church, there is nothing that divides anybody, because you are all in Christ. And notice what Paul says, remember at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called by the uncircumcised, by the so-called, you were called uncircumcised, by the so-called circumcised. This could also be translated as if Paul was saying the so-called circumcised group. What Paul is saying is that in Christ, the Messiah that was promised, when he came, he drew the nations. And not only does Israel have a hope of salvation, not only does the, do the Gentiles have a hope of salvation, but that hope of salvation is the same. It's Christ. What, notice what he says. He doesn't say, we've added the Gentiles to Israel. No, there have been, were two that came into one in Christ Jesus. 
There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free. There is only one in Christ Jesus. He has broken down the walls of hostility between them. Do you know how fast our heart creates hostility? Go back and read Genesis 3, 4, and 5. Do you know how fast our heart wants to look at other people and say, I don't want to have anything to do with them? Go back and read the first ten verses of this chapter. Our hearts are so prone to hate somebody. And our hearts are also so prone to be indifferent about people. And what the gospel does, what Jesus has done at the cross, is said that if you have faith in me, there is only one. There is only one new people in Christ. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. We are being constituted as a people bound by love, not by dividing walls. God took those who were far off, us, and drew us near through the blood of Christ. So that when we see other people who are in Christ, we can see a new creation for what God has done for them, for what God has broken down. This is what peace is. God has brought us peace with one another. Peace with those who at one time we didn't like. There are no more walls that separate us. We are no longer aliens, sojourners. We aren't operating with green cards in the church. We are full citizens, every single one of us. Think about the ramifications for Christ Presbyterian Church that that has. Not one person is here because they deserve it. Not one person. Except Maggie Sheridan, maybe. She might be the only one. Not one person deserves to be drawn to Christ. Not Jew, not Gentile. Not male, not female. Every one of us is here because of the grace of God in Christ Jesus. That means every single person that walks in this door has been made new through faith in Christ. Every single person has value. Every single person is worth the blood of Christ upon the cross. Every single person has the Spirit of God living inside of them. Every single person in Christ matters.
God has destroyed the walls that divided us. He breaks, bound, he breaks down the barriers that we have built up to keep others from infiltrating our worlds. Think with me of what Christ Presbyterian Church might look like if we brought in the nations into this body. That should be our hope. That no one that enters this church would feel a dividing wall of, I don't belong there. That's hostility. May this be a prayer of ours. That we might be a church that actively seeks to break down walls that divide people. Because it's only then that we fully receive and understand the peace that Christ went to the cross for. God breaks down our horizontal walls and brings us peace. He also breaks down the vertical walls that bring us peace. Look at, look at with me um, in verses 16 and 17. And might reconcile us both to God and one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. He ca- and he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace for those who are near. This word hostility that he used earlier, this the Greek word translated, or is the Greek word ekthros. And if you know your story of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it was ekthros that was put in between the serpent and the seed of the child. It was enmity. It was hostility. Ever since the fall of humankind, there has been an ekthros, a hostility between God himself and his people. Remember, Adam and Eve were sent out of the garden. There was a wall put up. Because of their sin, because they had disavowed, because they had rebelled against their Creator, they were no longer able to come into His presence. Yet it is through Christ and by His Spirit that we are now able not only to be reconciled to one another, but be reconciled to the God who created us. It is through the blood of Christ that the curtain was torn down. We now have full access to our God because our sins have been forgiven. This is good news. We who were cast out have been drawn near to God because of the work that Christ accomplished on the cross. Paul is not nearly speaking of a horizontal plane. He's speaking of this vertical plane. We did not have access. Not by any works, good or bad but through Jesus 
and by his grace, we now may enter in to the presence of God and he might look at us and say, son, daughter, welcome home. Son, daughter, welcome home. This is the access we receive through Christ. This is shalom. This is true peace with God. He will never look at you again and cast you out. But because of Christ, he says, welcome home. My good and faithful servant. Do you grasp that? Everything about us, everything that we read in chapter 2, 1 through 3, receives the opposite of that reaction. Everything in verses 1 through 3 says, We are not worthy. And here we see that through the blood of the cross, Christ has made us worthy. And he has saved us by his grace. Through the preaching of the gospel. He came preaching peace. That we can be reconciled. That we can be adopted. That we can call him Abba, Father that he has compassion on us, that he promises to protect us, to provide for us. And there's nothing that you can do. There's nothing you can do that will cause him to cast you out if you are truly in Christ. Christ has broken down the walls to bring horizontal peace. Christ has broken down the walls that gives us vertical peace. Christ is also building a wall that will equal global peace. Here's what we see that, what, that God actually builds walls. But these walls do not divide like the walls that we build. These are movable walls. The walls we build are stagnant. And the best illustration I could think of was were the little dividing walls that we used here at VB, that we used to use here at VBS that mysteriously vanished a couple years ago when we built our new building. I don't know if you remember these walls, but they, they were these little walls about this tall that had little metal feet, and they weighed about 50 pounds each. And we would move them to divide this room up because we needed four rooms and we only had one big room. So we made four smaller sections and the deacons in all of their glory and humility and love for our children would always get these dividing walls and set them up in the sanctuary, dividing, dividing these other areas. We had the snacks back here. We had, I think it was the crafts back here. We had the, the dance moves or something right here. And we had these d dividing walls that were movable. These are the type of walls that God uses. This is what he says in verses 20 to 22. Oh, sorry, read verse 19. 
So you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for, for God by the Spirit." We are being built together as a wall. We are being united together, built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. This wall is the outer wall of the tabernacle. The tabernacle no longer has a dividing curtain. We are in the presence of God because the presence and the Spirit of God is living inside of us. But this is how the walls move. By the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You should have this image of Eden. Eden as the first temple in the garden. That was stagnant. It did not move. And then they built the temple in the Old Testament, defined by walls. We, Christ is no longer building a physical building where he is worshipped. He's building his temple out of us. He's building a temple by his spirit, binding us together in Christ. He is, we are being built on the apostles and the prophets upon what the apostles and the prophets proclaim to be true about the risen Jesus Christ. He is building upon Christ, our sure cornerstone and foundation, in whom the entire structure is held together. We are being built together, creating a new Eden where God dwells among us. You've heard me talk about this Edenic hope, this idea that one day when Christ returns, Eden will expand over the entire globe, that everywhere God will be and we will be his people and he will be with us. This is how he's doing it. Through building a temple wall, which is us. By believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ, he is joining us by the power of the Spirit and uniting us together, He is building a wall through us and He's making it grow. Through the dwelling of the Holy Spirit, you are now the new temple of Jesus. Jesus dwells inside of you and He is joining us together to build His temple and it will cover the entire earth. And in these walls, there will not be hostility. In these walls, there will not be circumcision. In these walls, there will not be laws that separate people ethnically or by color or by social norms. He's building a new human race. We are not being built on Adam we are being built on the second Adam, Christ Jesus himself. And he's expanding the walls by proclaiming the gospel that all might believe and come to saving faith 
in Jesus Christ. Through reconciling us to each other and to God himself. You know why that's important for us? God is using you. God is using you to proclaim the gospel. God is using you in this church in a special way that no one else can fulfill. He's telling these Ephesians in Ephesus who had this huge temple to this pagan goddess, and he's saying, just as you see that temple, I am making a new temple through you. And one day this temple will cover the entire earth. Look at the call to worship. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Christ is building his kingdom through his temple. God is here with us every single Sunday filling this room because we are here and we are his temple. He's living inside of us, connecting us to Christ, connecting us to one another. And you might be at this point saying, so what? So what? God is bringing redemption to his creation through his people. He's bringing redemption through us. Brothers and sisters, follow Christ by faith. Do the works that God has given you so that you might show the world the love that we have received in Christ. Reveal to those around you of the hope that we have that God is with us and God will never forsake us, that we are his children. Do you want to see the effects of that in Fayette County? The effects of that with our missionaries in Japan and in Asia and in Northern Ireland and in France? God is building his church through us. Every single one of you matters. He is using you to bring his redemption that will encompass his entire creation. Brothers and sisters, follow by faith. If you are in your sin, return to Christ. He will restore you. If you've gotten off the path, if you've lost your way, return to Christ that he might use you to be a blessing to the nations. If you feel that you are far off, come by faith to Christ and receive all of his blessings, which he occurred for you at the cross because he loves you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you might use us to bring your redemption here now. Father, I look in this congregation and I see the many faces, the of faces of people who are trying to follow by faith. Father, use us in our strengths 
built on the foundation of Christ himself, use us to bring your glory to Fayette County. That when people see us together, they might see the immeasurable grace that you have given us. May we love as you have loved us. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen.